Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the peacemaker to my blood sports, Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? You know, I will have a quarterback no matter how many talented players I need to waste and throw off my roster until I do. All right, and our very own <laughs> Colonel Rick Flagg. It's Eric Ronenbeck. Eric, how are you doing? I was like, is he going to make me polka dot man, or is he going to make me my favorite actor? So I'm great. I'm great. Ready to uh, to just talk about all the all the things that have stayed the same for Seahawk football and how nothing's going to change. And everything's great. <laughs> all right. So let's start with um, you know, we we put out our like you know kind of stream of consciousness thoughts on Tuesday. Now we've had five days to kind of let it let it digest. Um, I think. One of the biggest takeaways for me is this puts into sharp focus just how crap the Jamal Adams trade was, right? Yeah, yes, that's that's really a depressing part of this. Uh, the, the difference between Russell Wilson and Jamal Adams is not two second round picks, especially because, you know, and Drew Locke, <laughs> Noah Fan and Shelby Harris. The, oh. the, thing, the thing is, too, is that, like, it really is kind of equal because we got number nine back and gave up number 10. And we said at the time, unless these picks are both like 24 plus, this trade's pretty bad. And one of them turned out to be 10. <laughs> so, yeah. so it's pretty so it's pretty bad. Which for those of you keeping track at home, if this is a slight rebuild, the number 10 pick would have been pretty good. Just, yeah, want, just we, want to put that out there. You could say, oh, you got, we can get Kyle Hamilton at 10 and, and really uh, put our rebuild into sharp focus. Yeah, that would be nice. I would be into that. Because there's, there's real Kyle Hamilton's dropping down the draft because he ran a 4.59 buzz which uh that's sure an interesting take yes because yeah he he really looked slow on tape while he was sacking people and intercepting the ball murdering people yeah anyway uh 40 and 41 we have 40 and 41 now we have uh which are nine. really good picks in this draft, yeah, they are. by the way but but uh let's 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 start with this there's a uh, there is an elephant in the room we're in three uh, different rooms. How would you possibly I was know? I going to say I've I've gained some weight since October, <laughs> but I don't really think that's fair, Nathan. It's, uh, <laughs> Deshaun Watson rumors, and I have learned now that you should not dismiss any rumor of any kind out of pocket. No kidding. Uh, Deshaun Watson is is talking to many teams: Saints, Panthers. But the one one team that keeps coming up is that there's sentiment around the league that he will be a Seattle Seahawk. He has full no trade clause like Russell. So just like Russell, he could force his way onto basically any team he wants. Right. Um, it does seem like the rumor now is that Russ gave the Seahawks a list of one team he wanted to go to. Yep. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so, which is really so. rough on the leverage front. Yeah. You know what? Considering the package we got back, I actually think don't, I don't think that we could have done a lot better than that. That's true. Plus may, it didn't not leak, with a list which, of one team, not with, not with literally two other offers being denied by him. No, but, but at I least mean, like, it didn't like, leak, you know, like three or four firsts is probably like better, but but uh, we got like Noah Fant is functionally a first round pick, right? And then and then we got two firsts and two seconds. That's like pretty close to four firsts, which is I bet you is what the Eagles came up with. The Eagles were like, "Hey, here's four firsts," and then and Jalen you know, Hurts. The, the, the commanders were like, "Yeah, if there was four firsts and Jalen Hurts, man, that's tough. That's tough. That's tough." That you know, if they'd have been like the Red Hawks, I think they'd have done a deal. But Russell was like, "I'm not going to the to the USFL. Oh, I'm not playing for the USFL Commander team." The Commanders thing, I don't know what they could offer. Three firsts and, and Montez Sweat. Like I don't know. That doesn't. <laughs> that's not better to me than what we got. To be honest with you, they could have put uh, in Taylor Heineke. It could have been like putting oof. in Drew Lock. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, that's worse than Drew Lock. No, it's not. It's the same. Okay. Well, it's like if Drew Lock was also kind of a shithead. Okay. 
on what back to Deshaun Watson though. Deshaun Deshaun Watson has been rumored to come to Seattle. Um, let's just say it takes three for three firsts to get Deshaun Watson into a Seahawks uniform. That seems like pretty close to the asking price. Um, does does trading for that package for Russ then turning around and giving up three first round picks for Deshaun Watson? What is how? Um, let's put the the you know the obviously like criminal allegations aside. Those all all of us agree bad and a circus so let's make not... like an nfl front office and completely ignore the human and only yes. look at the football field got it correct We've done correct. our due and diligence then, Kevin. and we'll and we'll come back to we'll we can We've circle interviewed back so to the... many people off field <laughs> we could we talked to we his could... college coach we talked to his mom's neighbor we could circle back to the <laughs> pr nightmare it would be a pr nightmare though for a hundred percent it's like it's like the uh, the worst PR nightmare for the team, and f- and oh. just like from a human perspective, it's bad. But like from a football perspective, <clears throat> uh, just turning around, giving those two first round picks plus our first round next year up for uh, for Deshaun Watson, is that is that is that a net plus a net minus? Like, wh- how do you feel about that, Derek? You want to start? Yeah, I mean, if we're, I think it's a net minus because Deshaun Watson is going to want to be paid a a high quarterback wage. I don't think it'll be Russell Wilson money, Aaron Rodgers money, but it will still be a lot of money, which let's be honest, we've been trying to get out of for a little bit. Even on the show, we've talked about how, uh, I think Russ is probably, you know, kind of hopingly going to go for, you know, endorsement money somewhere else. And he's at the stage of his career where he wants to take less money to win more. And that's obviously not the case. Yeah. And Deshaun Watson, all all allegations aside, how, I don't really. How know do have all the other QBs not realize this is how Tom Brady? <laughs> was, yeah, well, because they don't care, how they have, want money, and they should. They should. It's their yeah, bodies it's, on the line. It's it's true, but like, how have they not already? They're like, how can I win more championships? It's like Tom Brady's like over there taking fifteen million. Also, no one is uh, no one's <laughs> married to Giselle except except Tom. So that's. That's, That's probably true. issue she's, number one. She has she has like ten times the net worth of like and even C- Sierra is like the second probably best and he she's like way richer than Sierra. Yeah, so, and so, yeah. How will they live off of her twenty million dollar net worth? <laughs> Russ will is, someone please think of the children. Russ is uh, probably in a prenup there. No, so I I honestly think the only way you're going to rebuild this team and you have to think you have to think like the GM you have to think like the coach. We have John Schneider. We have Pete Carroll. These guys are going to want to go young, build through the draft keep that money low, all the investments low and build around that. Uh, so I think it's a, I think it's a negative there. Uh, I would say that getting a decade younger in exchange for a first round pick is not a bad exchange. Yeah. I do feel like the talent level is very similar between Watson and and Wilson. And you're picking up 10 years and probably about $10 million a year. And Watson's current contract, if he agrees, you know, I'll just play this out is pretty friendly. Uh, yeah, tops out 40, at like $30 million? $40 million this year. Well, okay, we, we wouldn't have to pay the bonuses. <clears throat> yeah. So it'd be, it would be it would be 35 this year, 37 next year, and then 32, 32. Yeah, and it would say, on wheels. And it would accelerate $51 million in dead cap onto, uh, <laughs> onto, onto the, the Texans wow. cap. Which yeah, don't tell uh, me they uh, don't already have dead cap over there. Yeah, I, I would brutal, argue that all of their cap brutal. is dead cap, but that's a different conversation. I think I think it'd be good for them because they want an excuse to fire a coach after one year again. They don't. One thing that's interesting is they do literally do not have the cap room to 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 do a deal right now. They would have because they already have thirty five million in dead cap for this year. 
like that they just can't do anything about, they'd have to do some some real gymnastics. We to could get... take Laramie Tunsil off their hands if that helps the cap Laramie, situation. Laramie Tunsil will create 500,000 more dead cap than he currently puts onto their... Well, we'll take Laramie they... Tunsil and something else. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll just keep taking as many players as it takes to make this work for them. That's fine. Uh, it's... <laughs> the thing is, it's like they there's only like there's only like two guys on their roster, three guys on their roster. You can save more than like three million dollars by cutting, and one of them is Kevin Pierre Lewis. Okay, <laughs> welcome back, <laughs> Kevin. Okay, Pierre-Lewis. Uh, so so here's the thing about the the Texans uh, this trade is I just don't think that there's any way he ends ends up here. I do think this is a lot of people have posited that this is like a smokescreen Seattle's throwing out there to kind of hide their intentions of drafting a quarterback at nine they don't want someone to come up from behind them and take their guy and uh i i kind of i kind of believe that actually i think it's very possible that they're 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 targeting a quarterback at nine and they don't want or they at least want the option of taking a quarterback at nine not that they're necessarily locked into taking uh a quarterback at nine but that they're they want the option of of doing so if they feel like it's a it's a potential thing that they can do so Oh, yeah, because or, in or, front of us, who do we think is taking a quarterback out of that? Like Fal- Houston, Falcons. maybe, but probably Falcons. not. Yeah, maybe the Falcons, uh, Panthers would make sense. I don't Pan- think the Giants are gonna. Panthers are supposedly Pan- all in, but that's... if Panthers can, if Panthers can convince Deshaun Watson to go there, that's the problem. Though is that is he, he already said no. Him. He already said <laughs> yeah. like he doesn't really want to go there, and I don't blame him. It's a it's a terrible. Uh, it's not a well run organization to land in. And an aging okay. Christian McCaffrey. Now now we, you can you can say anyone can say one thing about the uh, the PR nightmare that is Deshaun Watson if you want. I I, I don't I don't want to say. I mean he's just probably a bad person and it seems I guess it's it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty hard to go from children's hospital guy to what do you guys think own, is going to happen? To uh, to basically like Ben Roethlisberger sex pest, you know, kind oh, of thing. Yeah, that, that's that's <laughs> you, you basically stole the one thing I was going to say is, uh, yeah, I mean, when the best case scenario is that you're a Ben Roethlisberger level sex pest, like neat. Yeah, it's like uh, that, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, the end. All right. Eric, you want anything to add to that? No, I was really I don't. What do you guys think is going to happen here? I, I think they stick draft. Uh, okay, so let's let's go into the let's go into uh, let's start with draft options. So uh, one thing I like is that I inexplicably before the trade did all my quarterback thoughts on a podcast. So now anything I say doesn't seem like cope, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm not coping. I literally had all these thoughts already. So so that that's that's helpful for me personally. Uh, I I'm uh, I'm glad that I'm already out on these corners. So let's go ahead. Um, let me think. What, what? Who do you want to start? Let's start Malik Willis, Kevin. You want to do Malik Willis? You've yeah, probably I watched. That, I think that's. You logical. probably watched. You probably watched ten times more Malik Willis than last time we talked about it, right? Last time yes. I'm sure you'd watched like a watched game more. or maybe a, a highlight film or something. Yeah. Now I you have highlights and Syracuse. <laughs> yeah. So now you've watched a lot, a lot more. I bet because I had already watched like four full games last time because I wanted, like I said, I wanted to be out on a corner and like let my thoughts be known on these guys. So, okay, let's start with Willis, Kevin. What do you think about Willis now that you've had a chance to watch a little more? Okay, so uh, Willis is the tier one of quarterbacks in this draft class. Um, I have my quarterback prospects now ranked, and he is the only one that I would put a first-round grade on, um, and that's because of his ceiling. I think that there are a lot of issues with his um, ball placement and accuracy, 
but it has nothing to do with his arm talent. He's got a really good arm. Um, he's an elite level athlete. Uh, his like stop and go uh, acceleration on a dime. Like he's an extremely Deep. dangerous runner. Like how when he does throw short, it's like a it's like a he he unleashes it like it's like a thousand miles an hour. Yeah, he wences the heck out of the ball, doesn't he? It's like, bro, calm down. Um, and I yes. think that's that's the thing is like his floor is if Wentz was a plus plus runner. So yeah. that puts him like I don't know like around twentieth in the league. That's not a bad floor to have for a quarterback. And then his ceiling is like he's the only guy in this draft I think could be a top eight quarterback. Um, because he like his run game just translates. That's just a fact. Like in the NFL, he can scramble around in the pocket. He uh, can keep his eyes downfield. Unlike another quarterback we'll talk about in a minute. Um, the big thing is he needs to figure out his footwork because his footwork gets sloppy. And then all of a sudden, like you have no idea where the ball's going to go. Like he needs to figure out how to kind of set his feet on the fly so that he has a more consistently accurate arm. He just really feels like to me, like if Jalen hurts could actually throw a deep ball, like it, it feels very similar on like the way he plays, the way he wants to play the way that Jalen hurts plays. And, and then the way that, so like, if you look at the Eagles, like the biggest problem with their offense is that like the, they don't, you don't really need to help with safeties because Jalen's not going to hit anyone deep anyway. Right. So yeah, he's just so not like, going to get it close enough. Or if he or if he does, it's going to be floated up to a level that you're going to have plenty of time to run under it if you're a safety. Uh, this is not going to happen with Malik Willis. I really think if you watch the Eagles and and see how Jalen Hurts play, you can kind of envision what Malik Willis could look like in the NFL in just add a deep add a like a, a non questionable deep ball because Malik yeah, Willis like has a Jalen Hurts running and Lamar Jackson's throwing. I don't even know, dude. I'd say better. Like his arm is like, dude. Lamar's got I, a legit arm. I know, but this guy's got like a like I. What? Who's someone who just throws super hard? Like from NFL history. Uh, I don't know. Matt Stafford, Brett Favre. Right. Favre. Like he's like that. Supposedly Matt Hasselbeck. Oh, Jay Cutler. <laughs> Jake, <laughs> smoking, smoking, smoking Jay. Jay. Smoking uh, Jay. But but that's like what he does, man. He just like, just like bam, man. He just throws it so hard, and I don't know. I kind of like the. I like the upside. Like I said, like this is the this is the this is the Josh Allen of this class, right? This is the guy who could be really, really, really good. Could be the best guy. Um, could, could also end up not quite figuring it out. Could end up just being nothing. Exactly. Could end up just being uh, not even not even a dude. And so you just have to kind of you kind of have to deal with the the variance there. And uh, yeah, so okay, these next I think there's three guys that we could talk about as potential Seahawks guys, guys that the Seahawks might actually draft that could be available when we pick at 40 slash 41, right? These are, these are guys that um, fit the profile. They Ooh. all have things that are sea hockey about them. Can I guess? Uh, okay, go, go ahead. So my tier two is Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter, Kenny Pickett. Okay. Well, I, I replaced Howell with Corral because of, I thought he was a Seahawks sea podcast. I would say I agree. Howell is better than Corral. Um, but I think like, I think I also think Howell's probably the best deep passer in the draft, which is a very sea hockey thing. Um, yeah, I, uh, he's, he's really accurate down the field for sure. Yep. Um, I just, but his I one read and take off running thing is very frustrating. <laughs> he, he also does this thing where, you know, like, um, the thing I hate when I watch quarterback 
does is when we pat the ball a whole bunch. <laughs> yes. He does this uh, thing where he's just patting the ball over and over. And it's like, dude, chill, chill out with that, man. Like you, you're a good athlete. I agree. That's and a like, habit. I, that's a mental but habit. Like it's a, it's like a bad habit. And it's like, he, I don't know. I've heard, I've heard scouts call that burping the baby. And I just think like <laughs> he, he does that, man. He like, he burps the baby before he gets it out. And it drives me crazy. I, I don't know. Sam Howell was a, was like really hard tape study for me because this 2020 tapes really pretty solid and like you can tell why he was the number one quarterback coming into the year and his 2021 tape is like just as disappointing the other way and i've kind of have no idea what's going to happen with him in the in the actual draft um i do think how could be okay let's go let's go pick it though let's go pick it first uh bad small hands <laughs> very very small hands we go from russ thing- with huge hands to a guy Wait. with small hands incomprehensible the other thing i don't like about um pickett is like the way that he uh, how do I describe this? He like gets, he'll have a good pocket, but he'll just like start moving his feet a whole bunch and he like doing this really weird bad pocket awareness. And then he fades in the pocket. He like and fades himself do... out of throwing windows. Doing this weird thing where he just like starts, yeah, he moves his feet a whole lot. And it's like, and then now, now he's not, he has nowhere to go with the ball and he just has to either throw it away or take a sack. And I don't know. I, I feel like he needs to, he needs to like recalibrate how he plays quarterback. And if he comes to us, if the pass protection is questionable, which we don't know, it could be right. Considering our roster, mm-hmm. I could see him continuing those bad feet habits and, and kind of never becoming like a guy. He does have good arm talent. Like he can really make on and off platform throws really well. Um, he's good at like making a, a nice read on like a combination. You know, if we run like a dagger concept or something, he's going to make a good, he's enough of it. a run threat that you can't just ignore him and turn your back completely, or he will pick up like five to 10 yards. His offense required, mm-hmm. it asked a lot of him. He had to look at the whole field. He's not like a lot of these quarterbacks come up now and they, they only had to make half field reads and that's fine. There's a lot of NFL plays that are like that, where you, you fake a handoff, you roll out, you read half the field. I like, mean, that's Deshaun a, Watson is uh, like, last the last year he played that was the first year he made more than half field reads right and so (laughs) so like it's it's completely fine to be like that but Pickett's not like that Pickett can read the whole field um and yeah I think he's he's good other than the other than the hands thing I mean I think he's a solid all-around prospect and if he's there at you know if we go offensive tackle or defensive end in round one and then we we're looking quarterback at 40 I think that if Pickett's there that's a it's a good spot I do have one other problem with Pickett's game um, okay. besides the pocket thing. And that is uh, he has a baffling tendency to uh, not take quick throws. And it's the same frustration I have with Russ where it's like, okay, you've got a five yard slant that's wide friggin' open and you are just going to ignore that super good. And then like, yeah, sometimes that leads to a couple more big plays downfield, but a lot of times it ends up leading to like dancing around in the pocket and throwing it away or getting sacked. No, I was gonna say he gets sacked a lot comparative to like, he needs to just like learn that. Like sometimes you just check it out of bounds 50 yards and, and call it a day. We're going to have to teach that to a new quarterback. That's like Seahawk football since I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah, Dave Craig, Matt Hasselbeck, the tradition continues. I say, lock this guy up. Like, right, I guess he is deal. the most Seahawksy quarterback. I guess we kind of nailed that one. <laughs> you ready? You ready for uh? You ready wow. for Mister uh, Mister Athletic Tools here, Kevin? You ready for De- little Desmond Ritter? I'm in. The, yeah. All right. Okay, Desmond Desmond Ritter. What did you like about him? Uh, you wa- you probably had watched a bunch of Cincinnati games even before you did this. Yeah, so you had I watched kind of a probably opinion. four or five of their games during the uh, season. Which quarterback is the easiest thing to scout while you're watching football? Um. Mm-hmm. 
So something, a couple things I really like about him. Uh, he has solid arm strength. Um, he uh, is willing to work deep middle and deep outside. Uh, mm-hmm. And he has enough mobility to be a threat. He's not like super athletic, shaky, like Malik Willis, Jalen Hurts runner. He's more like Marcus Mariota. The safeties turn their back. I'm just going to sprint 20 yards in a straight line and slide. I saw someone say his athleticism was like Alex Smith and I kind of really like early career Alex Smith. And I, really, I kind of really liked that. Kind of really liked that comparison. Yeah, that's so, a good comp. Yeah. Um, he is good at keeping his eyes downfield while he's avoiding pressure. I think he moves the pocket. I think he moves within the pocket and scrambles pretty well. Um, my issue is uh, his footwork and um, like his footwork and shoulder hip. uh rotation um when he's setting up a platform to throw the ball is inconsistent and it leads to inconsistent ball placement and i think that's probably the weakest part of his game yeah his his accuracy is uh is not the best and it's not like malik willis where i felt like he was being tasked with being the whole offense i think desmond ritter just has trouble taking what the defense gives him like he's really competitive and like I think this is why the Seahawks are going to be interested in him. He seems like a competitive psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I think that's the guy that Seahawks love. But I mean, he had, he takes a long time. And he, and the thing about him is it, at, in Conference USA, right? That's what they're in. Um, he, he gets a lot of time to American throw. Athletic Conference. Oh, is there, there is no Conference USA anymore. Is there, there is a Conference USA. It just isn't good. Oh. Okay, American Athletic <laughs> in in the A in the AAC that he had he gets a lot of time to throw and so because his offensive line was far outweigh out got to be way better than the opposite and so he ends up getting like a lot of stuff where his passes are batted down or he has to throw into a tight window because he just sat around forever kind of waiting for something to happen that that wasn't going to happen and I kind of wish he had a little bit more of that like take off and go mentality because i think it would have led to more success for him in the offense he he's a pocket passer but could be a true dual threat does that make sense yeah Yeah. um but i and i kind of think if um if he can kind of get in a situation land in a good situation where you know there's a team that's going to run you know zone read option and uh and ask him to throw it throw it deep a lot like a seahawks i think is actually a really good fit for his his skill set it's um it's 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 a it's a nice fit. I think Desmond Ritter is the guy. If we're picking at forty, I would be most excited about us picking. I would be I'd be super pumped if you know we we came in and said, hey, we want we want Desmond Ritter. He ran fast. He tested well. He he looks the part. Um, I'm I'm a fan. And I will say his senior year compared to his uh, sophomore and junior tape, his um, time to throw he was doing a lot better on. Like he got well, his- down in the mid uh, two seconds. His release, his release looks a lot better too. I mean, early yeah. in his career, he was doing a big wind up and stuff, and and he 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 kind of kind of worked that stuff out as he goes through it. All right, ready for Mister uh, Overcoming Adversity, uh, the, the small the smaller quarterback with the big heart. Um, <laughs> that's what that that's what the the scouting report on NFL.com's first line is. I wrote it down because I thought it was Gross. so funny. Matt <laughs> Matt Matt Corral. <laughs> um, all right, Matt Corral. Uh, what do I think of him? Uh, he, I think he couldn't have landed in a better spot than Ole Miss for him. Like that, that system is like basically perfect for him and they still 
didn't trust him to like really do anything. Uh, and he also like they trusted his running, him more with his legs than his arm. His running was like super questionable. Like, well, yeah, okay. Like, I thought I didn't think his running was that good though. That's the thing. Like, they were like, "Oh, we trust him with his legs," but I watch him run, and I'm like, "This is not like a his great running is college runner. good. It's not like NFL good. Like, he would get murdered by linebackers constantly in the NFL." Yeah. I'm like I'm like watching him play and I'm like this guy can this guy can like yeah he can get loose for six and in, in college this this guy's gonna get destroyed by someone you don't you know what I think level. he's gonna have trouble with uh he's gonna do the Baker Mayfield which is where but, you think you can beat a guy to the edge until you actually start doing it ba- and then they Baker. actually understand what pursuit angles are and you're like oh no this is gonna be a two yard loss. Baker Mayfield is a good comparison for just Matt Corral in general. Uh, uh, yeah, Baker Mayfield mm-hmm. with a worse arm and less ability to read the field. Yeah, yeah I would agree. Been, yes, worse Baker Mayfield as, is kind of as the player that people have us picking in the draft. This vexes me. Uh, yeah, I yeah. honestly don't like. He's super developmental. He doesn't have like a great arm. He's not super athletic. I don't know, man. Like, uh, <laughs> and then you're going that way. Like, you know, I'm available. I feel like, I feel like they give you su- like different scouts give you such a mixed bag about his personality too. Like some scouts are like, Oh, he's a leader. He, he will fight through adversity. But then other people will be like, uh, he, he has questionable maturity. And it's like, so which is it? Like, these are like exact opposite statements. Is so he I have Blaine no, Gabbert. He could be the next Blaine Gabbert. Yeah. Oof. yeah I mean, he's, he's the kind of guy Oof. who could definitely be like a solid backup in the league for a lot of time. He doesn't have the, the physical tools of like a lot of these guys, like that's the thing I I don't like about Corral just in general as a pick. Like if I was power ranking like the best physical tools in this draft, I would drop him down to fifth probably, right? Like or is he? Yeah, because Carson Strong has below no, Carson Strong. Carson Strong has a bigger arm. Okay, because I was gonna say Carson Strong has no knees, but if you ignore that, like Carson Strong can really really chuck it. So, yeah, Carson Strong <laughs> has a plus trait. I yeah. could not tell you what Matt Corral's plus trait is. Uh, he's a gamer, Kevin. <laughs> he's got he's got it. He plays he, a lot of SOCOM. He's a gamer. He he's he's really he's he would hit it really good in the staring contest. Um, okay. <laughs> he made a bunch of a bunch of shots on the mini hoop the Philadelphia Eagles brought in. <laughs> oh my gosh! I think everyone's just talking about Matt Corral to the Seahawks because there's that picture of Pete Carroll talking to Matt Corral at the combine, <laughs> and I think like I think like that one picture has turned into like this whole thing of like. Oh, are the Seahawks interested in Matt Corral? They publicly spoke to him, and it's like, okay, but I mean, like, uh, Pete Carroll is friends with the with the coach that w- is standing with Matt Corral and hanging out with him. So maybe it's just like, uh, you know, this is my it's my guy, it's my boy, Pete. I want you to meet him. And we know Pete loves nepotism, but does he love nepotism this much? I don't. I hope maybe. Not. If, if they draft a Matt Corral, it's because they think that he could be a Jared Goff type quarterback in the system. Where I uh, grossed. He, uh, I'm just telling you why they would do it. I'm not saying that I support this decision. (laughs) How dare you, Kevin? Don't put that on me. Um, (laughs) like, so, uh, at that point, you're saying that, like, he'll do exactly what you tell him to do. And I just, no, that's that's a terrible reason to draft a quarterback that high. Okay. And then, uh, if we got him at 72, I wouldn't be upset. Okay, yeah, I can see that actually. Yeah, if we got him in the third round, I'm kind of into it actually, because that seems like good value. He seems like a late second guy to me. That's kind of where I'd put him at early third. And so yeah, if we got him at early third, I I I think that's about right. That's correct. Uh, these other guys, I feel like I feel like Pickett, Ritter, Howell, even Strong. I could I'm more those are more justifiable 
uh, early seconds to me. Yeah, Strong is 100% on the medicals. If the medicals come back and they're like, yeah, his leg will need to be amputated within the next week, then you're like, okay, yeah, let's, he's off the draft board. But if he comes back and you're like, yeah, he's probably got like six years in the league before he's going to have to make a transition to quarterback coach, then yeah, he's probably like a I mean, late second, early third. If you, if you, uh, if you, Carson Strong, if you want a guy to hand it off and then throw it deep, the Seahawks offense, uh, I don't know, man. I think that this guy can kind of do it. He doesn't have any kind of escapability. So he'll just like either if he's starting to get pressure, he'll force it or throw it away. It's but he doesn't Bruce Arians quarterback. He doesn't take a lot of garbage sacks, which I like. Mm-hmm. Right. Like he doesn't take a lot of garbage sacks that a guy that that slow should be taking if uh, if he's really if he was really bad. But so like, I, I don't know. I think Carson Strong. Yeah, you're right. Bruce Arians guy. If this guy lands in Tampa, he'll be awesome. He could be good for us too. Uh, not great though. I think that it, there's a cap on we there's a cap on our offense if the quarterback can't run a yep. little bit. Uh, okay, Sam Howell, last guy. Uh, Sam Howell is uh, North. He was North Carolina. Well, this is go deep. So I went deep on Sam Howell last time and kind of I already gave my uh, my my Pat and the baby uh, thing. Uh, what do you, okay? But he has a snappy release. He's a really good athlete. Kevin, what did you think of Sam Howell as you watched him? Uh, Sam Howell is actually my number two quarterback in the class, and that's. I mean, I still have Howell, Ritter, and Pickett are all like early round two people for me. But um, he's got good size. Uh, He's pretty athletic. He doesn't have like great speed, but he's one of those dudes who can just kind of take off and pick up six or eight yards. Um, He's a little bit better of a scrambler than like Kenny Pickett. Um, Physical uh, runner for a quarterback. Kind of Tim Tebow-esque, except he can actually throw the football. Um, He's got uh, good arm talent. He's got maybe the best arm talent in the draft outside of Malik Willis. And I think he even rivals him a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. He can throw it with zip. He's a very accurate deep passer. The issue is that he played in a straight up RPO offense. He had the most run pass options out of any offense in the entirety of college football last season. Um, the season before that, it was way up there as well. And he's not asked to read um, the field very much. So usually it tends to be like, First read, run. First read, second read, run. And so usually after the first or second read, he drops his eyes and he's not looking downfield as often. Especially last year when his (laughs) offensive line was garbage. If you go back two years ago when he had a good run game and a below average offensive line instead of a bad one, Mm -hmm. uh, he was able to kind of hang in there longer. Um, But it still means that he needs to better understand how to navigate the pocket and keep his eyes upfield. Like, I think that's what's like his big limiting factor in the NFL. I, one thing I think he does that is kind of uh, frustrating is that he will kind of, once he decides he's going to a guy cause he's patting the ball, he'll look at him for a long time and then throw the ball, which gives the defense like a extra time to react to what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, if he, if he could just tighten that up and like, you know, make his read or look off the safety, go back to the other guy and throw like he will he will improve immensely just from like that little thing, but that's hard processing stuff. Quick it, release once he releases it. <laughs> yeah, processing stuff, and the other thing too is is that like I'm really into to ceiling traits right now because we've seen in the NFL you can kind of build around a guy's ceiling traits and ignore the things that they're bad at. And I do feel like Howell's kind of a little bit of a like he's kind of good at everything, but not like amazing at, at any one thing. Like I don't know what his five star talent is. He has a bunch of four star talents. And I just worry that like he'll get caught in that like tier of pretty good but not great. I would be fine with it. if the team uh, if the team 
you know, had identified him as their guy and took him at the top of the second round, I'd be for it. Uh, okay, so I think we all we are in agreement, Kevin. If the you're fine with Willis at one nine, if that's what the team decides to do, you're fine with Ritter, Pickett, or Hal at the top of the second round, and you'd be fine with Corral at the top of the third round. Is that see yeah, about right? Um, I don't love Willis at one nine, but if the team thought that he was worth that pick, then that's okay with me. Yeah. So okay, uh, someone just posted in the Discord. I think it's Josh uh, that. ESPN just reported Seahawks interest in Texans quarterback Sean Watson is they have interest, but they don't, it's not very serious. They don't expect the Seahawks to want to give up a lot for the, for the, for the player. So, okay. Nice. That makes sense. That, that actually makes sense to me. Like if they, if you were like, Hey, give us two first, if we, we'd be like, Hey, we'll take Deshaun for two first. Then we're pocketing two seconds and a bunch of players, right. In the swap. I think the Seahawks are fine with that, but the, the, the higher that uh, price gets, the less I think it, it works for us because, we do have a lot of gaps to fill in. We are not a complete team. Maybe we're going to pull a Denver with Deshaun Watson and be like, yo, make us your only destination so we can make the deal not that great. Yeah. Okay. The Jeremy uh, Lane revenge trade. Yeah. Jeremy Lane revenge trade. Hey, okay. we haven't forgotten. Uh, quarterback, quarterbacks in the, in the books. Let's talk. There was a few other Seahawks moves. Okay. Phil Haynes. Seahawks Beefy picked boy. up. Big fan, uh, big good friend of the podcast, Phil Haynes. I, I call him that because you know he we love him so much. But Phil Haynes, he's our biggest uh, fan by volume. He took a he took a he's they they put the so what this tender means original round tender. Uh, if so, so he gets like I don't know, it's like three million dollars I think ish to to play this year <laughs> from us, or someone can sign him to a contract. We have match rights. If we choose not to match, they have to give us uh, our original pick, which I think is fourth round or is fifth round. When did we draft Phil Haynes? Was it fourth or fourth fifth round? round, Kevin? Do you, do you remember, Kevin? Uh, I Kevin. believe it was a fourth round pick. Okay, so then they, they'd have to give us a fourth round pick to sign it. Yep, four, fourth round, 124. So here's the thing. So he's Phil $2.5 five million or a fourth round pick if somebody signs him. Fourth round pick. He's a, he's on our team next year. There's no one's gonna no one's giving us a fourth round pick to sign Phil Haynes. I'm sorry. So yeah, two point five four million. Phil Haynes is in the in the books. This leaves us with Haynes, Jackson, and uh, Lewis all as interior offensive linemen. Probably pretty hard to get all of them on the field at the same time. We're probably we're likely still looking for a center. Although we've seen Lewis and we've heard Haynes play center in practice some, right? So. There could be some some uh, some kind of shenanigans going on there, but I like I like this. I think that it it's the right move in terms of we now we have good guard depth. I don't feel any need to target guard in any special way. If the right opportunity presents itself, of course you take it. But guard is pretty set going into the the draft and free agency. Would you Would you agree? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, exactly. I think it's one of those things where if. Um, like Zion Johnson is sitting there and we end up using him as a guard instead of a center. If Tyler Smith is sitting there in the third round out of Tulsa or something like that, where it's just like, oh, this is a really good pickup. Or if somebody gets cut and is on the cheap and we can get a really good guard, then maybe we end up, especially if it's kind of a younger guard, because it looks like we're going to be in a bit of a rebuild. Um, you know, Jackson is not exactly young anymore. I could see maybe signing someone to play um left guard so we can move Damian Lewis back to right guard where I thought he was a little better last season or two seasons ago. 
I forgot something mm. from my notes. I just, I just skipped Uh-oh. over it. But uh, Eric, you excited for Phil Haynes is back? Yeah, absolutely. The OG round tender. I saw that yesterday. I think that's fair. Uh, you explained what it is. Plus, I mean, three million. Yeah, beefy boy is back. I'll take it. Okay, let's talk free agent options for quarterbacks. <laughs> I forgot about this. <laughs> okay, uh, honestly, so it's kind I just of I looked at the list and I was like. Oh, that's why Nathan's not talking about it. Okay, all right. So, so uh, Eric, I'll start with you. Uh, do you want Geno Smith back? No, no, I don't. I'm, okay, I'm, okay. I think I feel like I'm the outlier because this podcast seems to like Geno Smith. I don't want him back. I, I also don't want him back. He had a shot last year. It was Geno. I, I expected more. We've kept him on the roster for five years. I had higher expectations than that. He did not meet them. He should not be back. Kevin, do you agree? At the risk of sounding rude, I don't see a reason to have two Drew Locks on the roster, and we just traded for one. Okay, let's do this then. Speaking of Drew Locke, what percentage chance do you think that Drew Locke starts on opening week for the Seahawks? Is? Uh, Eric, start with you. That's a uh, that's a that's like a ten percent chance. I don't think it's likely, but I don't think it's impossible. I mean, okay, we then? we don't. Who knows what quarterback 40. we're going to have? Forty. Forty. Oh no! Ooh, no, that's way that's too high. high. I hate it. I hate it. Uh, I was gonna. I, I was gonna say I'm. I'm too smart to say zero anymore because I thought there was a zero percent chance we trade Russ or very close to it. So I'm gonna go four. So four percent chance. <laughs> I'm saying Drew Lock forty percent because it makes the most sense to not use another asset if we end up just not being able to pick up a good quarterback. So if we end up like if the guy we draft. Because uh, you also said start opening day, and I think those second round quarterbacks might not start opening day. Oh no, that'd be bad. Because we already know Pete is willing to give a guy uh, a shot if they win the job in camp over the uh, established guy. We saw it in the past with the Flynn Russ situation. Okay, here we go. Free agents. Um, let's start with Teddy Bridgewater. Do you want a bridge to uh, to our next draft pick? Yes or no? Just you can just Oof. answer yes or no, or give a thought if you want. I'm That's a, I'm a, no, a no for me. I'm a no on tape. I think it's gonna be too expensive. I think Bridgewater's gonna end up getting like ten million dollars, and I'm just not interested in that. No, because we need a higher ceiling than that, or it's not worth getting the guy. Okay, Andy Dalton. Same no. No, but what a bridge it would be. Seahawk legend uh, Andy Andy Dalton. All right, Jameis Winston. Yes, because I think that he offers a higher ceiling. So the he's Saints were pretty good. The Saints were pretty good until he got hurt. And in our offense where we ask a guy to throw accurate deep passes and hand it off. I mean, that is like Jameis can do that. How many years I, are we I, talking here? One to one to two. Probably I'm, th- is, I'm guessing at any of these free agents we'd sign, we'd sign them as like a two year bridge, right? Yeah. Or where we're yeah, like, be a one uh, or two year deal for probably somewhere between five and 10 million a year, depending on the quarterback. Hey, Nathan, this yeah, one's like, for you. Yes. Yeah, Jameis, let's do it. I, I'm uh, 2020, 2022 vision, baby. Let's go. Uh, okay, uh, Tyrod Taylor. No. 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 I, I feel like Tyrod Taylor is just uh, older, more boring Jameis Winston. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is, that, is that a – I think uh, it's about, fine. Remember when he was good at football? No, he's, he's an older, anymore. more boring Marcus Mariota. How dare you? <laughs> oh, okay, that, that too. Jameis Winston uh, can't that means, run. That means he's getting injured a lot. Jameis Winston can't – no, he can't. No, really. he can't. Okay, uh, no, he can't really. Run. Uh, speaking of guys, there who can't were really run. racist people who thought he should play wide receiver. Yes. Speaking <laughs> yes, speaking were. of guys who cannot run, Jacoby Brissett. Oh no, <laughs> we have Drew Lock on the roster. Why do we need two Drew Locks? 
Stop. At one point, I thought Jacoby Brissett was going to be a starter in this league, and that time has passed. So that's a no. He's only he's still only thirty. That's I, crazy to me. Oh, thirties, thirties <laughs> old. If you haven't done anything, I mean, he's kind of done. He started. He started a bunch of games, lost. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Marcus Marcus Mariota for the two games that he plays. No. <laughs> uh, you know what? Yes. Um, I would. Oh. He, he seems like he'll last- be very cheap. And also his last year starting in Tennessee before they decided to move on from him, he wasn't bad. Like, I don't know. I think he offers an interesting low-risk quarterback competition for Drew Locke. I, I think if, yeah, if you're going to bring in a veteran for to compete, I mean, obviously Jameis over Marcus, but, uh, that, I mean, if you're – he was the number two pick, right, you know, for a reason. <laughs> Marcus Mariota, I think, is a, a fine option for that. How about Mitchell Trubisky? There is so much. Okay, so I got, I got to make a comment because have you seen the amount of articles about how he's such a hot commodity in the offseason? And I'm like, yeah, people, people, what think is Brian going Dable, on? people think Brian Dable fixed him in Buffalo. Like, people they're like, think that not being around uh, uh, Matt Nagy fixed him. <laughs> I mean, oh like, he went from gosh. Nagy to Brian Dable. That's like a huge upgrade, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a no. And maybe we'll just be on the wrong side of history. I'm willing to accept that. I have a that. really important question. Has he decided but. if it's Mitch or Mitchell yet? Yeah, that's actually Mitchell. what we I think it's decided all for me. It's a it's official Mitchell. It's officially Mitchell. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, if we could get him on a dirt cheap deal to come in and like be a uh, a secondary option to figuring out if him or Drew Lock is the least painful tank commander, fine, whatever. I actually okay. I have a couple layered takes here. One, I don't think Trubisky was ever that bad. Like he gets a rap as being like one of the worst quarterbacks in the league, but there are plenty of guys who have started NFL games in the last two years that I think Mitch Trubisky is better than I'm going to start with that, but I think he's going to get kind of like medium paid. Like, you know how sometimes like the, the mid tier quarterbacks get like $12 million or, uh, or 12 to 15. You think he's getting that much? I thought we were going to get get... like seven. He's going to get like a Mike Glennon deal where like the guy, the guy with potential, who's not that bad gets kind of, overpaid because he's they pe- people see the the good stuff but forget the bad stuff you have to build your offense around mitchell trubisky and i, I don't i don't know if I, that's a sentence i really want to <laughs> d- dive too much deeper into Do you but want like, to run the mitchell trubisky offense <laughs> well speaking of running the the mitchell trubisky <laughs> offense this reminds me of a thing i heard which is that people i, w- I was listening to a, another podcast and they were talking about how when russell wilson i think steven ruiz said this he said when russell wilson no matter how many offense coordinators the Seahawks went through, it always just turned into the Russell Wilson offense. That's true. And I was like, I was like, dang, that's so true. Like that. Yeah. He, we 100% just like run the Russ offense. And like, is that even that good of an offense? I mean, it's been, a, it's been like the, the super inconsistent, like annoying. We, we all have had irritations with our offense over the years, right? Like are the Broncos just going to run the like annoying Russell Wilson offense? Yes, next year? they are. They have to, they have to look at, what the best success we had with that offense was two years ago, and that thing fizzled. And when it fizzled, it fizzled hard. So, Russ only throws outside and only throws deep. He doesn't want to use well, a tight end. Like there's limit. The, the limitations throw, are not always what the, the options are. It's what he wants to do. He'll throw in the middle of the field, like twenty five yards downfield, forty seconds after the play started. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> to Tyler Lockett only. Uh, okay. Yeah. I. I think it's interesting. Like the Broncos, I think 
Yeah, it's weird. It's I, the more I think about Russell Wilson, the more I think like, man, there's a lot of pros and a lot of cons. It kind of reminds me of like Russell Westbrook in the NBA, where it's like, yeah, Russ is com- Russell Westbrook's completely washed at this point. But but when he, even when Russell Westbrook was at his best, he brings a lot of stuff to the table, but also takes some things off the table that are uh, it, that it's, it's problematic a little bit and um, can kind of. Like, luckily for the Broncos, they have Javante Williams, and I think that that's a nice. Um, crutch for them to lean on so it doesn't really matter javante rules yeah i would say russell wilson the big thing is um he's conservative not in the traditional football sense of being like um, i'm gonna take every short etc yeah he's conservative in like the uh sociological sense of resistant to change like Mm -hmm. no matter how you package the change he's he's going to do what he does Oh, speaking of short dump offs, Kevin, one more quarterback that we could sign that's a free agent this year, Mike White. Mm. White Mike. <laughs> Kevin loves White Mike. Do you love dump offs? How much do you love dump offs? Here's the thing. If I was gonna am I am I Okay. No, I do not sign do not sign, sign Mike White. Would you rather have Mike White start or Drew Locke? Uh Drew Locke. Okay, I do go. not. I do not say that lightly because I think everyone at this point in the Discord knows how much <laughs> I think. Anytime someone says something positive about Drew Lock, I reply to it and I go, "Drew Lock sucks. He's very bad. Like he is extremely bad. He is he is in a situation that is like perfect for a quarterback. Like you got wide receivers to throw to. You have two good tight ends. You got great running backs. You have a running game that's really good, so the other team has to pay attention to it, and you still can't get anything done. That's Drew Locke. Drew Locke is – Drew Locke, okay, imagine if we're running the Russell Wilson offense from last year, right? But instead of all those deep throws going into DK's breadbasket, they're five-yard overthrows. Oof. That's Drew Locke, okay? Drew Locke is very, 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 very <laughs> – how many more varies should I add? He's bad. He's really bad. He's not one of the. Th- How about this? He's not one of the thirty-two best quarterbacks in the NFL. That's that's he's, bad. He's he's not. I could I could think of thirty-two guys I'd rather start a game, which means he should not be an NFL starter. Period. I I don't that that's just me. I don't know. Maybe you might have him at thirtieth, and I would contend that, but not strongly. <laughs> How about that? And that that is why I don't bother saying anything is because like uh, I think I, I my my comment's been he's somewhere between the twenty eighth and forty fifth best quarterback in the NFL, and I'm not willing to argue over the four spots we don't overlap. Uh, oh God, something just fell off my desk. <laughs> it goes to Drew Lock. Uh, no, it's my daughter. She like keeps playing with the stuff on my desk. Your daughter so fell is... off your desk. That's the... no. We, she... we should stop the podcast. She's she's putting stuff close to the edges, and then it falls down. Oh, good. I was um, worried your daughter sounded very metallic. Uh, yeah, she is. <laughs> she, uh, she's uh, things she just was... stick to her. Your she's robot magnetic. daughter. She's magnetic. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, there Small are many. There are many ways to support the Seahawks Nest podcast. The best way to do so, head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest for as little as $1.24 a month. Get access to the Discord. In season, in season, there will be, uh, there's uh, betting podcasts that are more goofy and fun. They're very, uh, they're very silly. Uh, We do voices and and characters and stuff. So thank you to all those who support the show. Uh, Andy, Brett, do it all for the Tucci, Floctimus, Greta, James, Jose, Carrie, Lucas, Ryan, Timothy, Tom, Emmanuel, Astro, Blake of Washington Fist Quest, the greatest YouTube channel about fishing. Bob, Casey, Daniel, David, Foles, Jay, Leon, Michael, 
Michelle, Mike, Mike, Richard, Thomas, Werewolf, Brandon, Nick, everyone who supports the show. Uh, you guys killing it. Uh, it's been fun. Uh, this is it's a crazy time to be a Seahawks fan, and I'm glad you're along for the ride. Okay, we watched the suicide the Suicide the. Squad the because the the original Suicide Squad is called Suicide Squad. This one is called the suicide squad to differentiate the suicide squad but the thing is is they they try to differentiate it from the first one but like they have some of the same characters so it's like this is a sequel but not quite a sequel right it's a sequel Um, where they don't want you to remember the first one they want you to know the first one existed but the hope that you don't remember any of the details yes which is perfect because none of the details are worth remembering from the first ones are good on you um, all right, let's let's go. Um, let's go with this. Let's start with this. Um, one thing I love about this movie is the opening sequence <laughs> where they show all these famous people. So they got um, Pete Davidson. They got um, Nathan Fillion. They Michael got, Rooker starts uh, the whole thing. Michael mm-hmm. Rooker. They got, so they got they got um, they got all these people. OK, in the opening scene. And then they they're like you're like oh this is the su- the Suicide Squad and then they they do their uh they do their Suicide Squad stuff and they Kinda all get murdered their powers yeah yeah they all get murdered because it's the Suicide Squad and I like that it is kind of established like the way that the comics should be right they Would definitely uh, make uh, Viola Davis like a clear villain in her own aspect until you realize there's a reason why she's treating them like expendable assets because they're all violent murders. Yeah. Eric, did you like that opening scene? What'd you think of it? I loved it. I was, it was good because it was entertaining, obviously, but yeah, it also captured the, the core feelings and kind of, you know, what the comic book is all about, but also made me sad. Cause there were some people I was like, Oh, I'm looking to see what this person is going to do in the movie. Oh, they're dead now. Yeah. But yeah, it was, uh, it was very, very good. Um, some of the characters, I mean, Javelin is in it and they didn't pull any punches on his costume. Like he just looks like a dork. And uh, yeah, he does. I mean, that's so that's what I loved about it. I was like, these guys look like dorks. I believe Nathan Fillion's character was an original character, by the way. This, and I think uh, it's because it's a really funny superpower. The detachable kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Super weird. It was a blackguard uh, or something. I can't remember what they called him. Yeah, he's the, the detachable kid. So I'm going to look it up here. The detachable kid, TDK for short, is a TDK metahuman who detached. He used his skill in the, in the first Task Force X strike. Um, let's see. Who is the detachable kid? Um, and this is, uh, who, who is he in the comics? Here we go. Everything you need to know about this mysterious character. Mysterious character. Get out of here. Um, yeah, I don't think he exists. He's, he's, he's a character from DC comics. whose real name is Corey Pitzner. Hmm. Um, arm. He made a rare appearance in DC comics in 1989, but he was known as you ready for this? Ready. Arm fall off boy. Yes. How did they not keep that name? <laughs> That's even worse. How, how did That's they not so keep so good? Wow. So here's here's one thing that and James Gunn did this with a couple different things in this movie. Um he he did a really good job of like referencing really bizarre things that are from DC comics. Uh like that 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 is a good example of it. I didn't that I didn't even. Well, know. they just start shooting his detached arms, and he's just but, like writhing in pain. Yes, but but like that. So that's a good example of it. Like him just referencing a character that's like super out there and weird. But the primary 
antagonist of the movie, the big starfish. Like that's such a weird villain. And I was like, where did that come from? And it's, it's like a real, there it's, was like a real, it's a real character. Oh, it's, from a, the it's a comics, decade like a, long villain. And it's actually the first villain the Justice League ever faced. In Justice League of America number one, it's against Starro. Yeah, so yeah, it's, thought, it's a very old, old DC villain that he somehow made fun and cool. I yeah, because cool. if I remember correctly, Starro <laughs> showed up in the um, Justice League animated series that ran contemporary to the end of the Batman the Animated Series. Yep. And uh, but like was kind of more backgroundish. And so it was really cool to put that center stage. Yeah, just like they actually like really went for it with just like the giant walking starfish in the middle of the road and just like having it do stuff. And I don't know. I thought that was I thought it was cool. I thought I was I yeah. was really uh, pleased overall. I felt like this movie did a great job of giving a spotlight to every character. Like everyone got a moment to shine, which is, I think, kind of James Gunn's thing. He can take an ensemble cast of quirky characters. Um, this was the best use of uh Margot Robbie's uh, um, Harley Quinn, in my opinion, uh, because she was in there enough for her character to be a thing and to be fun and kind of a comic relief character. But she wasn't so much the focal point that um, the character outstayed its welcome for me. I thought that was a really good use of that character. And um, yeah, uh, just a good use of an ensemble cast in general. Yeah, I um okay, so like Idris Elba playing the straight man to all of this like wacky like menagerie of people was perfect. So good. One thing one thing I like is that um yeah, Sylvester Stallone uh voiced <laughs> King King Shark, right? Have you heard but did, uh how but he... did you know Steve Agee is the onset actor for King Shark? Yes. Yeah. Awesome. So he did all the he did all the body work. Like that's that's actually super cool to me because like he's really good as John Economos in this and of course uh, excellent television show Peacemaker, but but like I thought, I thought that was really cool. Like that that he um he did all the onset body work. Did you probably probably read the lines to the other actors and stuff? Well, did you hear what uh how Sylvester Stallone like how James Gunn uh basically asked Stallone to do it because I oh, guess no. they have a really good relationship. That's you know he was in Guardians too, and he basically said, I I said hey Sly I gotta I gotta roll for you in the next movie. And he goes, all right, I'm I'm ready. <laughs> he said, "You're gonna be you're basically a, a walking uh, a, a shark that walks on land, and you're just you're you're just gonna be kind of dumb." And he goes, "Whatever you say, James, I'll do it." <laughs> <laughs> but oh, he just no. he, he did not sugarcoat it. He's like, "Whatever you say, James." <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, I, I mean, I gave it four. I thought it was really fun. Uh, it's a little bit too long. Uh, I, I think it's it's justified in its runtime a little bit because like they do kind of like a weird like almost like second movie kind of sequence when from the point where it ends and Viola Davis tells him to go back to the end of the movie is kind of like a another little whole story arc that they do. Yeah. Um. But uh. But I thought it was really, really, really fun. So. Yeah, what did you what did you guys think of the movie? Like, how did you rate it? Yeah, I gave it a three and a half. I thought um, I didn't think it hit the heights that uh, the first Guardians did, but I liked it more than the second Guardians. So I kind of parked it right there with Guardians too. Um, it was fun. It was like you said, maybe a hair long, but like the action was actiony and over the top and enjoyable. It really got good use out of its R rating, and I appreciated that. Like yeah, yeah, James, James Gunn, James Gunn, James Gunn went to his trauma roots here. Oh right? yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. They're, like the, the gore is uh, to give you some insight. Carrie doesn't really like a lot of gore in her movies, but it was done in such a comic way where she was more like, oh, gross. And then was kind of able to laugh it off because like you definitely there's like brains flying everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. I thought I don't think it's above either Guardians movie. I, I may be the only one here who likes Guardians, too, but um, it, it was a fine movie. I'd also give it a three and a half out of five. A lot of fun. A lot of uh, a lot of a lot more plot than certainly the first Suicide Squad had. Um Pretty much every character was likable or so despicable that you liked, you know, you wanted, you liked the, the terribleness of the character. And Eric, do you like that they suck with like the second rate antagonists? Because he, James Gunn said he did that because there's an innate tragic element to supervillains who aren't even that good at being bad. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In fact, when they, (laughs) when they announced the first Suicide Squad, it was like, okay, they've got some like B list or C list villains here, but they're always people we like. Like Deadshot was a, was a villain that, every DC comics fan liked and on the big screen, like, I don't know, he wasn't, he, he was probably portrayed fine, but you kind of realize you didn't care. And this one, you got polka dot man who we haven't even brought up polka dot man. So bizarre. Delightful. And they gave him such great backstory. Um, that acted well by, thing. Oh, oh my God. gosh, <laughs> everything is so good about it. And also it feels like you feel for this guy who's, you know, murdered a lot of people. Um, as, as, uh, as Quentin Tarantino would say, it subverts the audience, blah, blah, blah. And it's so good. But, um, that's an inside joke for Kevin. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it very much. So James Gunn said his biggest regret in this movie is that, so, you know, that scene where Margot Robbie kills the guard and then uses her feet to like pull the keys out and then flips over and unlocks the, the, um, yes, yeah. the handcuffs. And he said, so Margot Robbie actually did that stunt. But because of the, the the structure of the stunt and her outfit, it covers up her face and you can't see her face while she's doing it. And he says, it looks like a stunt person's doing it. And it's my biggest regret while we were filming the movie. Wow. Like, that's, that's wild that's though. Like that's crazy that she did that. Yeah. That's like, that's so flexible. Like that, that's, that was nuts. Like I, I'm just like pretty impressed by that. Um, what do you, okay. What do you guys think about Weasel? <laughs> <laughs> I just like the idea that Did Weasel has like no clue. Weasel could swim. Weasel has no clue what's going on, basically. No, just they to... just dump Weasel in there to, uh, <laughs> to hopefully do some damage. <laughs> and he certainly did to himself. Um, okay, so the, uh, Eric, what do you think about the decision? So the new 52 King Shark is a hammerhead shark. They tested it. They said they didn't like the way it looked. Are you okay with them switching to a, to like a great white? Yeah, I mean, the hammerhead is like one of the coolest looking fish. But if you're talking about danger, uh, it's going to be a great white. Absolutely. Um, Margot Robbie says she's going to do as much as much Harley Quinn as the letter. She thinks the character is really fun. Um, that's not the word I would use to describe it, but she loves it. <laughs> I, I, the thing I think is, that sucks for me is I really like, I really like Margot Robbie, Yep. but I just don't like Harley Quinn. It's like the character's core is like kind of obnoxious and I get what they're doing, but it's just like not for me. So would you agree with me though, that this time around, because her spots were broken up and she was kind of a comic relief element blended in, yes, it was, I felt it was like better. it was a lot better. And yeah. if they do, I wasn't already overloaded from previous experiences, I would have liked it probably even more. The thing about it is, is if Birds of Prey moves in like a more ensemble direction as opposed to like the first one, which was basically like a Harley Quinn movie. I really liked that Birds of Prey movie, by the way. Not as good as this movie, but I thought it was really Haven't good. Watched the, music, that the music in Birds of Prey is really good. The yeah. action's really fun. Uh, and I, everyone I like else all, is doing cool stuff. Yeah, I was going to say every other character in the movie like kind of rules, uh, except for... 
you know, Har- it's very Harley Quinn focused, and it and sh- that character grates on me. I can only take so so Which Margot Robbie is Margot Robbie's great. Margot Robbie's such a great actor, but let's face it, she's very attractive. And in Suicide Squad, they were like, let's, let's face make- it. I'm sorry to say this, but she's... I'm sorry to say this. No, because I don't... That's the thing in Suicide... She's really attractive. Because here's the problem with Suicide Squad with her. They're like, let's just make her super sexy and walking around. It's like, there's so much more to the character. There's so much more you could give this great actor, but you basically just made her wear short shorts and bend over all the time. I will say this. If if I could erase the first Suicide Squad movie from my memory, I probably would have no problems period with the whole thing i agree i think the way that they I think the way that is they good. turned it into a jared leto joker slash margot robbie Ugh. movie both managed to kill that movie and those characters you have me. so much talent in that movie and they just squandered it yeah um yeah, and I I'll say this too. Birds of Prey is a tight like ni- like ninety five minutes. I that Maybe they, I'll watch they that like today. they cr- they crush that. Whereas like I said, Suicide Squad's a little too long. Birds of Prey actually could have been a little longer. And it has a really <laughs> like it has a really interesting culminating action sequence. Hey, I thought hey, the the one on the pier Eric, was cool. There's a scene where where Margot Robbie uh on roller skates to Barracuda by Heart like okay. skates around and kills people just like in I Tanya. Um, okay, anyway, <laughs> I mean, she does skate to both of that song in both movies, but this one's a little different. Okay, uh, that, that's it. I, I don't have any more Suicide Squats. Do you guys, Suicide Squats? Suicide Thoughts? Suicide, whatever. Anyway, okay. do you guys have any more? My only thought is I'm really glad that uh, Disney bowed to pressure from really a weird corner of non-fandom in order to allow me to get this random Suicide Squad movie. And, and then we got Peacemaker, and now we, we got... Yeah, this is this is really good. Like, it's almost like when you give talented people the option to uh, do stuff in an uh, expanded universe, you end up with a better product. So good. Well, then DC DC was smart too. Like, they were like, uh, they were basically like, "Hey, uh, guy who made Guardians of the Galaxy, do whatever you want. We know that you know what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Make make a quirky ensemble superhero movie." That was when he got handle this. That was when he got fired from Disney, and so DC scooped him up from uh, from three. Yeah, and he basically just said, I'll come to DC, but I want to do whatever I want. And they said, okay. And DC was like, yep, uh-huh, uh-huh, yep, yep. You got it, boss. Please, so please is do. there a condition to this? Because all we're hearing is that you want to print us money. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, is <laughs> speaking of printing money, you know, like this, this is the thing is this movie, you know, it costs like $180 million to make. It only made $160 million in the in the box office because of COVID and stuff. So. I think between the success of Peacemaker and this, though, like we're going to get more more Margot Robbie doing cool stuff uh, like we're going to get her next Birds of Prey movie. We might get, um, you know, other spinoffs of Suicide Squad. Uh, we might do a sequel film. And um, Gunn said if, if he does a sequel, he wants it to be uh, more than just here's a new group of B tier supervillains. So I'm down for whatever he wants to do. It should yeah. be at yeah. least interesting, if not great. So we'll see what happens there. All right. Any other thoughts? Eric, Eric, you got anything? Got nothing. Uh, oh, we didn't say anything about Ratcatcher. Oh, oh she's the heart of the film. Excellent of the film. performance. Yeah, really good job. And also, like, great. Waikateka YTT as her dad. Just, uh, I liked it so much. And also, <laughs> but, like, what a, like, Ratcatcher 2 as a character to put in there was, like, really fun and clever. And, and then, I, yeah, Daniela Melkor just, like, she killed it. She, uh, she like, her and Idris Elba were the two best performances in the movie. 
and Peter Capaldi as the thinker too. I didn't even mention that. <laughs> I he's know. a delight. He's so cool. I don't know. I, I, this movie's really good. Like and, I think it's really enjoyable. If you like, like action all movies, good science fiction, it had good uh, uh, social commentary about kind of the way that science really did work post World War II. One hundred percent. All right, for Eric, for Kevin, we will see you guys next week. Go Hawks. 